sanctuary here after all, even though I told you to go to the coffee room. A week off. Next week we'll go to the coffee room. Anyway, good to see you all here tonight. Uh, we are, thank you guys for leading us tonight. Appreciate that. All right, you have your Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Timothy tonight, chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. There's a dominant theme throughout 2 Timothy related to being faithful and loyal to the truth, and that certainly comes through in our study once again tonight. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege to assemble. <clears throat> thank you for the, the good work that's going on there as they're transforming the, the uh, cry room into uh, uh, more space for us, and uh, so we thank you for those workers. And uh, also, uh, right next door will be the, the new cry room. So uh, we thank you for all the hard work that's going in there. But we thank you that we can meet here tonight, and uh, just pray to bless our study, all the other ongoing ministries as well, Youth Group Awana. Thank you for all the workers there. Uh, strengthen them, give them grace uh, to minister to each uh, child and young person. Pray it's a word to go forth in all of our lives tonight uh, in a fruitful way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, you note on the overhead there, the theme of uh, the book is uh, loyalty, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He's really challenging his protege, uh, Timothy, in this regard. Uh, and uh, so after the greeting gets right into it, charged to actively take a faithful stand. And a very strong emphasis uh, all the way through here on this. Now, uh, he, uh, at this point, is an old man. Uh, he is ready to be executed. Uh, he knows his, his time is short. And I think he is uh, looking to really kind of ha hand the baton on to Timothy, as it were. And uh, he is wanting to really emphasize what matters, what, what really matters. Uh, he has uh, emphasized, as we saw in, in the first few verses there, verse 8 uh, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. And then again, in verse 12, he says, I am not ashamed. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed uh, uh, to him until that day. So uh, a real theme on not being ashamed here. And uh, we see that coming through here uh, once again. You can see why there's, there's a reason for him making this emphasis. Uh, and we will get into it t tonight, especially as we get to verse 15 here. Um, okay, well, let's pick it up, and let's have somebody read uh, verses uh, 13 and 14. Who wants to read that for us? Yeah, Vince? Yeah, 13 and 14. Okay, thank you. So he begins here, uh, hold fast the pattern of sound words. Hold fast. Uh, when you think about holding fast to something, I think you said follow, right? Say follow? Yeah. But it's the idea of, uh, you know, unrelenting, uh, don't compromise. Don't let go. You know, don't, uh, and there's pressure here. There's tremendous pressure at this time. Nero is killing all kinds of Christians, and there's tremendous pressure. And he's saying, don't let go and uh, hold fast the pattern of sound words. Uh, the idea of a pattern was, a, was an architect's uh, sketch. 
And so it's the idea that there's, a, there's an outline or a standard of sound doctrine that he has gotten from Paul. And he's not to, work, he's not to go outside that, those bounds. You know, there's bounds related to uh, sound doctrine. There's various areas where, okay, you know, there's <laughs> hard things to understand. As, as Peter says, Paul says some things that are hard to understand. And we all say, yep, that's right. <laughs> so there are, there are some of those things. But there's definitely some boundaries and that's the idea of a, of a pattern, a doctrinal framework. And he's saying, I want you to hold fast. You, you can't go outside the, the framework here, those, those doctrinal bounds. Uh, hold fast the pattern of sound words. These, these are, sound is the idea of healthy. If you're sound in, in body and spirit, you're in good health, right? Yep, that's the idea here. Uh, sound words are, are healthy words. They are right words. Uh, they are sound doctrinal words. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. And where did he get them? He says, what you have heard from me. Uh, This is what we might call the apostles' doctrine. Uh, He got it from the apostle Paul. And as apostles, they they did speak with authority for Jesus Christ. Uh, Note just a few things. This is kind of review here for most of you, I'm pretty sure. But uh, I think this is a key verse. Uh, these are key verses taken together. In John 16, 13, Christ, the night before he's crucified, says, uh, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. And of course, you back up to verse 12. He says, I have many things to say to you yet, that you, but you cannot take it. You can't, you can't absorb it. You can't take it in yet. But when the spirit comes, he says, uh, he will guide you. And he's talking to the apostles. He will guide you into all truth. And really, there's, there's a word in there that, that, you know, the translators didn't put in. It's got the definite article, into all the truth, a definite body of truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So again, this is given to the apostles specifically, especially in relationship to all the truth. Now, we have all the truth that, that God has given to us through the apostles, but he's not given us new additional truth like he was giving to them. And we trace what we believe back to the apostles. Here it goes on in John 17 in his high priestly prayer. I do not pray for these, that's the apostles alone, but also for those who will believe in me through there. That's the apostles' word. Again, we trace what we believe back to the apostles, back to Jesus Christ himself, and and then as far as the extension of what he had to say to us through them, the all truth that he would give through them. Uh, Let's see, I think I have one more slide here. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, of course, you got a lot of upheaval at, at Corinth. In the church there, all kinds of things out of control a little bit. But he says, if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, and I think you did have those on the scene that considered themselves pretty spiritual at Corinth and, and, and pretty prophetic, I have the gift of prophecy. Paul says, okay, I want you to all stand down. If you think you're spiritual, you think you're a prophet, uh, Uh, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. (laughs) It's kind of trumping all of that. He says, I want you to know what I'm writing are the commandments of the Lord. He is speaking as an apostle with the authority of an apostle uh, who gives inspired uh, commandments from the Lord. And so that's the sense here too. Uh, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you were heard from me. Not just anybody, but Paul as, as an apostle. Uh, they actually had authority from Christ. They spoke on, on Christ's behalf as his special representative, their, uh, his special authoritative representatives. And to them was given all inspired truth. By the way, that's why we don't go back to, uh, let's say, Joseph Smith, right? Uh, we go back further. 
Uh, we go back. This is the problem I have with the charismatics who want to stand up and say, well, I've got a message from God. Well, are you an apostle? All the truth was given to them. Uh, and, and you're saying, well, now there's more? Uh, no. Uh, those apostles were, were spe- had a special uh, ministry. We uh, have, I love this verse from 1 John uh, related to discernment. You know, the word is given for us to discern. Well, how do you discern? Well, John says, uh, we are of God. And we, speaking as an apostle, we apostles are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. How, how do you discern what's truth and what's error? Well, uh, if you hear the apostles and you line up with the apostles, you, you're where you need to be in relationship to truth. You get outside that boundary, uh, you get outside that doctrinal framework that he's talking about here in relationship to Timothy, you're going to be an error. So, so this is a great verse on discernment. How do you discern what's right and what's wrong? Well, does it line up with apostolic doctrine? Uh, New Testament truth. Uh, you know, the whole counsel of God uh, when you go out beyond that. But we live, you know, under the new covenant related to New Testament truth in that sense. So... Uh, Apostolic authority related to the parameters uh, that God has given through sound words. Hold fast to this, he says to Timothy. Hold fast the pattern uh, of sound words which you have heard from me, and to do it in a certain way. In faith, he says, and love. Um, We have to believe it. We're holding to it in faith. Uh, We have our confidence in it, uh, and and that should be clear in our stand. We keep the faith. And uh, the apostolic faith, as it were. And, uh, and then he says, and love. Uh, this is the word agape. Agape is the intense word for love. Seeks the other person's highest good uh, is the idea. And uh, so we, wanna, we want to hold fast to the truth in faith. We're believing it and we're holding it in, in love. We share the truth in love. We hold the truth in love uh, is, is the idea there. Um, by the way, this is, uh, I thought this was kind of an interesting uh, statement. The prophets and apostles were not ha- hated and put to death for preaching love, love, love. Uh, they were hated for teaching truth. Now, we need both. You know, we share the truth in love. We don't want to lose the love. You know, you had the church at Ephesus. Very strong doctrinal churches, even commended by Christ in Revelation 2. And yet he says, I have one thing against you. And what was that? Well, they had left their first love. So we don't want to lose the love, for sure, but we sure don't want to lose the faith. Uh, we want to keep the faith without compromise. And that's what he, but yet he brings in love here as well. Uh, both are very important. We don't want to compromise love. We don't want to compromise the faith. We want to hold to both as uh, we are exhorted to do. Uh, he says, which are in Christ Jesus. Of course, uh, this is the object of our faith, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of all that we're about as far as our, our uh, faith and our love. And then he says, <clears throat> as he continues on here, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. We have a parallel here. <clears throat> uh, the commentators believe there's a parallel here between uh, sound words... Uh, what he says is hold uh, fast to the pattern of sound words, sound words in verse 13. And then that good thing, <clears throat> that good thing here really is the parallel to sound words. He's really talking about uh, the message, um, the, word, the word of God. And it goes on to say that good thing which was committed, literally deposit. I think yours translation said that. 
right? Deposit, which is what it literally means. Uh, that good thing, uh, that good deposit, uh, which is committed to you. The truth has been deposited to Timothy, is what he's saying. You've been entrusted with the truth, uh, the sound words that you have received from me. And uh, I don't want you to compromise that. I don't want you to let go of that, of that truth. And, uh, you know, there's always pressure. It's interesting how he's really pressing Timothy. Don't you think Timothy's going to be fat? Do you think he really needs to be this strongly exhorted? I mean, he's a good man. He's already commended him. You know, he's convinced that the true faith resides in him and, and all of these things. He's really commended him, but, but yet he's exhorting him at the same time. Uh, I think there's always pressure, and even good men need to be exhorted uh, to not let go to continue to hold fast. I think Paul, of all people, knew the pressure. I mean, here he is in prison. Tremendous pressure. And it's easy to kind of, well, I'm going to back off a little bit. He's really encouraging Timothy, don't, don't do that. Uh, you hold the deposit, the deposit, the truth deposit uh, that's been uh, given to you. And then he says uh, to keep it, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. To keep means to guard, uh, to protect, to defend, keep. And then he says, by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? You kind of have the combination of human responsibility and also divine empowerment. Uh, He said, well, Timothy, you're you're on your own on this one. No, no. You have the Holy Spirit to empower you. Uh, The Holy Spirit empowers us to be God's witnesses. The Holy Spirit empowers us to keep the faith, uh, to keep the good thing, keep the good deposit. Uh, We do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think uh, the, the emphasis here is, uh, in recognition of uh, our dependence on the Holy Spirit to help us. Uh, you know, we always need the help of the Holy Spirit. Left to ourselves, I think Peter had to learn this. You know, he says, I won't deny you, Lord. If all the others do, you know, those cowards, they got a little chicken bone in them. <laughs> They're all going to run, but not me. Lord, you can count. Well, Peter learned. He's very, pretty weak. I think our strength is from the Lord, not by might nor by power, but by spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Uh, and that's coming through here. He's exhorting Timothy uh, to keep and yet do it by the Holy Spirit, he says, who dwells in us. It's a wonderful reality to remember that the living God, the Holy Spirit, indwells in, in us. Uh, you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians emphasized that the Spirit indwells us as the local church in 1 Corinthians 3.16. But then also as individuals in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Both are true. Uh, we are the temple of God. Uh, you know, <laughs> we often talk about some, this is the house of God. Well, you know, I guess it houses the house of God. We are the house of God, right? <laughs> we are the house of God. The people are the house of God. Uh, he indwells us. And uh, we need to constantly re- rely on that reality, stay in, in step with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so guard, guard this uh, treasure, as it were, uh, which is committed uh, to you. Good illustration here. Uh, What an awesome responsibility to be entrusted with God's truth. Someone has well said that if you're walking down the street with a quarter in your pocket, it's no big deal if you lose it. However, if you have $25,000 in your pocket, it changes how you walk. Right? Yeah. Now now you walk with special care. You don't take chances. Uh, You are not careless or negligent in going into a dangerous area. So, uh, you know, that's how we should walk uh, as God's people. We've been entrusted with a huge treasure. I mean, the deposit of God's truth, the sound words, uh, the good thing, 
want to guard it very carefully. It is precious. Uh, We don't want to get outside the apostolic parameters in any way, shape, or form. And again, uh, get into some of these areas, it's kind of hard. But there's clear fundamentals of the faith, which, uh, boy, should be no debate. Can't get outside those parameters uh, whatsoever. All right. Um, By the way, uh, this uh, very clearly uh, implies who dwells in us, that the Spirit indwells all believers. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans 8 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So uh, all believers have the Holy Spirit. There was a little transitional period in the book of Acts, but once the Holy Spirit came to the Gentiles, uh, from then on, the norm is when you believe in Christ, the moment you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. We, we all have the Holy Spirit. We've all been baptized by the Spirit into one body. We all uh, drink of the same Spirit, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. All right. Uh, any other thoughts here before we move on here? Anything else? Okay. We must have covered it very thoroughly. All right. Very good. Let's, uh, verse 15 kind of stands by itself. Somebody want to read that? Yes, Amy? You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Fidelis and Hermogenes. <laughs> okay. We got a short little verse here, but it's really quite interesting. It's one of the sadder verses in the New Testament. Uh, this you know, so, you know, uh, Timothy's aware of this. Uh, and, uh, it's emphasizing, uh, again, the, the whole issue of loyalty and being faithful to the man of God here in this, in this case. And I really think uh, to be faithful to God, in one sense, is to be faithful to his people, especially strong leaders like the Apostle Paul. Uh, I mean, it says something. You say, well, I'm faithful to God, but forget about his apostle. Uh, no, they kind of go together on, on one level. And uh, here he's recounting with him that, uh, you know, Everybody's left me here in Asia. By the way, uh, where was Timothy at this time? Yeah, and where was Ephesus? I'm getting it. Was it in Asia? Yes, it was. You know, the seven churches in, in, uh, in the book of Revelation are all in Asia, and one of those churches was Ephesus. So, so he's talking in terms of the, the turf here related to, uh, to um, Timothy, where Timothy... By the way, where did Paul spend the majority of his... Uh, missionary ministry. Where, did, where was he longer than anywhere else? Well, at Ephesus. He was there for, for three years. So I think he'd work this area. Uh, and so when he says here, uh, you know that all those in Asia, uh, this is where he had spent a, a majority of his time, as far as a concentrated period of time. This was the longest uh, time he spent anywhere, was, was at Ephesus, three years. And yet, in spite of all that investment, notice what has happened now as he comes to the end. This is his second imprisonment. This is right before he's going to be executed. And uh, boy, that's got to be a really hard time. We believe at this point, you know, he, had had, he was under house arrest in the first imprisonment in Rome. He had all kinds of privileges. People were coming to see him and he could teach. Uh, he was in the house. He was under house arrest. But he had quite a bit of liberty. doesn't seem that was the case here. And uh, so it was really a hard time. And then all those in Asia, uh, including where Timothy is stationed right now at Ephesus, have what? Have turned away from me. 
That's interesting. Uh, have turned away from me. To re- turn away is the idea of to repudiate, to disown, to desert. Uh, now, you know, this word, this phrase, uh, this word translated turned away is used of doctrinal defection, but also personal defection. Uh, the emphasis here is personal defection. They have defected from Paul, uh, the apostle of Jesus Christ. And uh, he says, all those, man, I'd like to, have, you know, there's a, you know <laughs> some real major exceptions. But generally, they all had gone away from him. Well, why? Why do you suppose they had gone away from him? Tremendous time of suffering and persecution for the cause of Christ. That's why he's emphasizing uh, to Timothy, don't be ashamed. I'm not ashamed. You don't be ashamed. He's going to come to Onesiphorus and say he wasn't ashamed. Uh, So, tremendous pressure in terms of of persecution. Uh, Suffering for the the cause of Christ, for the cause of, of truth. And it's amazing sometimes how, you know, we talk about fair-weather Christians. I mean, these are kind of in that category a little bit. And he doesn't say they aren't believers, but he says they've turned away from me. He doesn't say they've defected from the faith, but they're not standing with me. That's his emphasis at this point. Um, In not being willing to stand with Paul, these were not really willing to stand faithfully with the prisoner of the Lord suffering for the gospel and by implication for the truth. Uh, Who you stand with often goes hand in hand with what you stand for. Note just a few verses earlier, Paul refers to himself as the prisoner of the Lord in verse 8, exhorts Timothy uh, not to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of him as, as the Lord's prisoner. Thus he closely links standing for the truth of the Lord and standing with him as the Lord's prisoner. I mean, he's very closely linking that at this point. And I think faithfulness at this point really goes hand in hand with, with standing for, with the Lord's servant here, who is clearly the Lord's servant, the Lord's apostle at this point. Um, okay, I guess I got one more slide here. Oh, this is the verse so where he says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. He wouldn't have had to say that except for the pressure was on to be ashamed, to, to shrink back and not stand with him. And he's saying, I want you to stand with me, uh, Timothy. Don't be, don't be ashamed of the Lord, nor of me, uh, the Lord's prisoner here. I'm here because of, of the Lord's sake. And then he says, he does give examples. Uh, All those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Uh, two deserters that are, that are called out here. Um, we don't know who these people were, Right? I mean, we do know who they were. Their names are right here. But that's all we know about them. We know their names. And by the way, um, their names, uh, Phygelus means fugitive, literally. And uh, Hermogenes means begotten of Mercury. And someone said they couldn't help their ugly names, but they could have done something about their ugly character. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Didn't I do that one already? Maybe not. Uh, There is a very close link here between the truth of the Lord and Paul as a gospel witness. To be ashamed of the one reflects on the other. In terms of association, you really can't separate God's truth from his apostle. Uh, This, by the way, is a major issue in both 2 Corinthians and Galatians. Uh, To undermine the apostleship of Paul was to undermine the gospel that he preached. To support Paul was, in effect, to support the cause of the gospel he propagated. There's a pretty, pretty close uh, linkage there. 
Um, yeah, here's the quote I was looking for. It seems likely that they were well known in Asia, these two that he singles out, that they were close to Paul, uh, that they were leaders who had shown promise. They probably would have been the last ones to be suspected of cowardice, ingratitude, and being ashamed of Christ and of, and of Paul. So, uh, evidently, I mean, obviously, Timothy knew who these folks were. They evidently had some influence, had some, uh, uh, you know, some role that was, that was known there. Um, let's see here. Here Paul gave the greatest part of his ministry years to Asia, and now the key leaders in Asia, if that's what they were, turned away from Paul at the time of his greatest need. How is that for thank you? How horrible. It makes you want to cry. Again, MacArthur says, To be rejected by the world is not pleasant, but to be deserted by fellow workers in the service of Christ is particularly painful. Uh, to have those you have spent your life spiritually nurturing turn away from you, and sometimes even against you, is heartbreaking in the extreme. Uh, I bring that out because um, it is interesting that here Paul, towards the end of his life, is probably having some of the most excruciating, painful experience in his heart that he's ever had in his whole entire life. And, uh, and really kind of going through it all alone. I mean, he's reaching out to Timothy. Be there with me. Uh, suffer with me. Enter into the sufferings with me. Be there with me. And uh, I think he's really kind of hurting uh, very deeply at this point. Uh, one more here. Uh, Proverbs twenty five nineteen says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. Uh, you know what a bad tooth feels like, right? You know what a foot out of joint is like? Uh, very painful. Uh, this is painful. Uh, you put your confidence in an unfaithful person. Uh, in time of trouble, it's going to hurt. Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble proves to be a very painful experience. But note, all Paul does is mention them. That's all he does. And, and their abandonment. He does not say whether they were true believers or not. He does not pray for them. Uh, in disappointment, he simply mentions them and then moves on to the positive example of Onesiphorus. He doesn't dwell on the disloyal, but rather elaborates on the loyal man. And that's a good point to, to, to keep in mind. His focus, he does mention them, and I think it was very hurtful. Very disappointing, but he doesn't dwell there. He doesn't live there. I mean, he goes on to focus, for the most part, on the, the, the positive example where he's going to uh, uh, go on in verses 16 through 18. All right, uh, any other thoughts there? Yeah. Right. Right. Well, amen to that. That's, that's for sure. I mean, if it was a matter of failures and you're done, we'd all be done, right? 
I'd say most of us. <laughs> so that's true. Yeah, Vince. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A- amen. You know, and we talked about love or love for the truth, love for the Lord, love for the other person, their highest good. Really, what's, you know, good for them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We'd like him to kind of maybe say a little more here, <laughs> but he doesn't. He mentions them and he moves on. And there are situations like that, I think, in ministry. Uh, there's always going to be disappointments, Uh I will disappoint you at some point. You will disappoint me. I mean, we, we just disappoint each other. <laughs> but uh, in the ministry, especially in a leadership role, I think there's going to be situations. Uh, you talk to these old guys. Uh, you know, I, one of my favorite messages is by Chuck Swindoll, and he's got a whole, whole bunch of examples as far as situations that he's gone through. He talks about like he was you know, this chairman of the board. Uh, he, he just said, boy, this guy was the, the number one guy to bring me to this church. And then after he got there, he's his number one enemy. And, and, and so one day he comes in on Chuck's, Chuck's office, and, and he, he's got a gun. And, and he flips the gun open, and he, you know, knocks out all the shells. And he says to Chuck, I just want you to know. He says, well, what, you, what is this? He says, he's the chairman of an evangelical church. You know, I mean, goodness. <laughs> Chuck, I'm resigning. I'm gone. I'm out of here. Uh, you know, you have all kinds of crazy situations. But I'm sure that's very hurtful, you know, a lot of hurt there. But anyway, uh, he, he mentions them, you know, they've turned away, and, uh, but then he moves on. All right, anything else? Okay, let's go to verses 16 through 18. They all go together, so let's read those all together. Yes, Twinette. Okay, thank you. So, uh, in contrast to the deserters, we have this wonderful example of Onesiphorus. Boy, and how do you pronounce his name? Uh, I, I always get it messed up. No, it's not. I looked it up today. Uh, to make, so don't mess me up now. <laughs> it's on. It starts with on. Onesiphorus. On. Just remember, his, it's on. Onesiphorus. Uh, I used to say Onesiphorus. I shouldn't even said that because it's going to mess me up. Onesiphorus. That's the. What's that? <laughs> we can talk about his name for the rest of the hour here. Yeah. On. Onesiphorus. Yeah. Uh, you're right on. Uh, okay. So we have the, uh, the bad example of the deserters. And now he focuses on, on this man who is very faithful to minister to, to him uh, as a pattern. 
And uh, so praise the Lord for uh, a, a man who has been there for him when he's going through a really hard time. There was an exception here. And Onesiphorus was from Asia. So there was an exception here. Uh, he's from there, as we see at the, at the end of the book here. His family's from there. But he says, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Uh, mercy is the idea of kindness. He desires that the Lord would extend kindness to him as he has extended kindness to him. You reap what you sow. And he is now really kind of prayerfully desiring that God would be very gracious and, and kind to him. He uses the word mercy here, which is the idea of God's uh, uh, compassion for, for those that are hurting and uh, that idea. God grant mercy to the household. It's interesting. He says to the household of Onesiphorus. Um, I'll come back to that in just a moment. It's, how about Onesiphorus himself? It says the household. Uh, some suggest Onesiphorus may have died because of this. We don't know that. We don't know that. But this is one of the, one of the uh, thoughts that are out there that he's asking for the household of Onesiphorus. You know, if indeed he had died, you could see where they're maybe going through a really hard time. They've lost this loved one who was a major leader in their family. And uh, we, don't know the, we don't know the whole story here. But uh, maybe, maybe that's it. But notice he says of him, uh, he often refreshed me. That's kind of interesting. He's asking uh, mercy for the household of Onesiphorus. Uh, and again, not, not for Onesiphorus himself, but for the household. And, but he's asking for the household because he often refreshed me. Kind of like, Lord, bless the household because of what he has done. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of like they're all in the family here. The whole family is in this thing together. The idea of refreshed is a cool refreshment, a refreshing, uh, edifying, strengthening ministry. And, and notice he says he often, he often refreshed me. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to have people like that in your life that are refreshing. They, they strengthen you. They encourage you. So you keep on keeping on. And then he says, and was not ashamed of my chain. Now, this is interesting because we believe he was in the, uh, in the, in the prison there, in the Mamertine uh, prison in Rome, which was kind of like a dungeon, a dungeon prison. It was dark, damp, and cold. It wasn't pleasant even to visit, I don't think. But uh, notice, not ashamed of my chain. We think at this point that Paul was chained to a Roman soldier 24-7. He didn't have any, you know, uh, didn't have any leeway. There was no free time here. And, uh, but yet he wasn't ashamed. Uh, he was a friend indeed. He was there for Paul, even during this very, very hard time. And often he was there. Um, let's see here. Remember, anyone can love you when the sun is shining. In the storms is where you learn who truly cares for you. Yeah, I think there's, there's some, you know, there's some truth in that. And uh, Paul is really appreciating uh, Onesiphorus and what he has meant to him. Special mention is made of the family, evidently because they were all involved in this effort in one way or another. Very possibly the family had sacrificed so that Onesiphorus could make the trip to Rome and minister to Paul. Uh, it was a whole family effort. Uh, this family evidently lived in or close to Ephesus where Timothy was ministering because in 419, Paul asked Timothy to greet them, uh, to greet the household. Again, not on, where, where is Onesiphorus gone? Well, some suggest maybe he's died because of the way he is stating things here. Uh, maybe, uh, who knows what happened? Again, we can't say because we're not really 
told there. And then he continues on here. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. He wasn't ashamed. He was zealously, where's Paul? You know, there's a possible, there's one who's been preaching the gospel. Where's he at? He was looking for, you didn't have uh, email in those days. Probably didn't have lines of communication were very clear. Uh, Rome wasn't concerned about whether he ever found uh, a prisoner like Paul or not. And uh, so he had, he had to do some searching. Where is he? Where are they holding him? They probably had a lot of prisons in Rome. Rome's a large city. Uh, and so he had to uh, seek him out. When he arrived in Rome, so he, he evidently made the trip here. He's here to encourage Paul. He's here for Paul. And uh, when he got there, he sought me out very zealously, and he found me. So it took some, some searching. There was uh, some hunting involved here. And uh, when he found him, he was not ashamed. Uh, he was uh, there for him. He often refreshed him. By the way, uh, when he uh, saw Paul, visited him, you know, and evidently he was allowed to visit him, but uh, what do you think their conversation was about? I mean, remember, he's chained to a Roman soldier. Do you think they were bad-mouthing the government? No. <laughs> I don't think so. You only do that once. Uh, you, you, you just would never say nothing, anything negative about Rome in that kind of... So what do you talk about? Well, I'm sure they just talked about Christian fellowship, the things of the Lord, the things that mattered. And you say, well, what, this, maybe a Roman soldier doesn't want to hear. Well, what's he going to do about it? <laughs> what is he going to do, kill us? Uh, you know, I mean, they were living like that. They were not ashamed. And he wasn't ashamed to come in and uh, encourage him in that context. Okay. Um, all right. Any thoughts before we go to verse 18 to finish out here? Okay. Verse 18. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. Uh, again, um, present mercies uh, for the household... But now he's thinking about mercy in relationship to that day for Onesiphorus, which is kind of interesting, again, how he says this. Again, it's conjecture. We don't really know whether he was dead or alive, but that's one of the ideas that is floated out there, that maybe he is, is no longer living. And that Paul is, you know, when he talks about uh, in that day, uh, that day is found three times in the book, and it really consistently refers to the believer's judgment. Uh, the day of the believer's judgment, uh, when you will, we all give an account uh, for our service, our quality of service. And he is really kind of desiring that on that day it will go very well for Onesiphorus because of how he has uh, been a blessing to me, for how he has refreshed me. And, uh, and so, so that's the idea here. Um, this is the great evaluation day, that day. And uh, then he goes, comes back and he says, you know very well how, how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. So going back, he reviews a little history here. This is not a new thing. He showed up to Rome to minister to Paul and he repeatedly refreshed him. But even when Paul was living in Ephesus, and again, he was there for three years, uh, a very reliable uh, source of encouragement and, and strengthening uh, was uh, Onesiphorus. Uh, he says, you know very well how many ways... I mean, he was in all kinds of different ways, being helpful and, and uh, encouraging and ministering uh, to Paul. Uh, like, a, like almost a right-hand man is, is the feel you get here. Uh, so not only in prison, but even before while he was at Ephesus. And again, he had been there for three years. So this is the pattern of his life. It wasn't a new thing. And I think, uh, boy, guys like this are just a tremendous blessing. I mean, he wasn't a fair-weather friend. He was there in the dark time, but he was there in the good times, too, at Ephesus. Uh, he's been there as a pattern very, very consistently. Bible Knowledge Commentary. 
Uh, the many in Asia, verse 15, portray the very things Paul had been warning Timothy against. Cowardice, shame, self-indulgence, infidelity. Onesiphorus, on the other hand, demonstrated the characteristics Paul had been uh, recommending to Timothy. Courage, love, self-discipline, boldness, and faithfulness. Clearly, the negative and the positive examples were designed to strengthen Timothy's resolve to be counted among those who were willing to stand shoulder to shoulder with the apostle. I, I think that's true. I mean, in the background, we know that he's encouraging Timothy. He's exhorting him, don't be ashamed. And now he's giving Onesiphorus as, as a prime example of one who has not been ashamed, uh, whatever has happened to him. So uh, faithfulness to the Lord uh, is a big deal here. And he's really exhorting Timothy uh, to follow in the steps of, of what faithfulness looks like. Uh, conclude with this. Uh, this is from Stephen Cole, Pastor Stephen Cole. In one sentence, the Bible writes the biographies of Phygelus and Hermogenes. They turned away from Paul in his time of need. That's all we know about them. This is their biography. How do you like that written in the eternal word of God about you? <laughs> That's, whether because of fear or embarrassment or selfish motives, they did not minister refreshment. In another sentence, the Bible writes the biography of Onesiphorus. He often refreshed Paul and was not ashamed of his chain. Then he says, how would the Bible write your biography in one sentence? Uh, do you seek out those in need to minister refreshment? Do you serve self, selflessly, uh, no matter what others are saying or doing? If so, the Lord will reward you in that day. Uh, you know, I'm sure we all want to be there standing with those that are really faithfully standing for the cause of Christ. At the end of the day, that's where we want to be. I think that's what faithfulness is all about. We want to follow in the footsteps of Onesiphorus. Yeah, he's the great example here. All right, any other thoughts as we wrap up here tonight? Yes, Joy? That's a very good question. Um, I don't know if, if he suffered martyrdom. Uh, I think, uh, isn't there a reference in Hebrews that Timothy has been released or something? Um, I, I think, so there, there's an indication Timothy may have gone to prison, but I don't know about his martyrdom. Uh, you know, we do believe all the apostles, with the exception of John, were, were martyred. But, yeah, what happened to Timothy? I don't, I don't know that we know for sure. It's a good question. Yeah. Isn't it say that at the end of Hebrews? I don't want to be wrong on that, but, you know, if memory serves me. Is that right? Is that right, Vince? Yeah. Which is one reason some people think Paul wrote Hebrews. <laughs> but we don't know that either. Right. Wasn't Timothy. All right. Anything else? Okay. Very good. Let's go ahead and share some prayer items.